Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the 80s show on iHeartRadio. Good morning. Want to start this Tuesday morning with a conjectural moral question. Actually, I don't know. A a conjectural moral question would imply uh, I'm asking something about your personal moral fiber. I I think I'm just asking something about morals in general. How were your parents? Were they all right? Were they uh, attentive? Did they give you the tools you needed to make your way in the world? I mean, obviously, no parents are perfect. But um, uh, there's definitely times where you see folks that shouldn't be reproducing, are not providing a great life for their kids, are not in any way, shape, or form necessarily the people that you would go, hmm, yeah, Uh, they seem like they should be bringing a new life into the world. And it's an age-old debate, really. You're not ready to have a kid. Well, nothing's going to make you get your hustle on like having a kid. Do you wait until you're a fully formed, responsible, fiscally stable adult to reproduce? Or do you have a kid and that lights a fire under your butt and you grow into the person that you need to become to be a parent? I think either one of those is a great option. And either one of those works. But sadly... It's not necessarily always the case that people do rise to the occasion of being a parent. There's a lot of people out there with kids that have no business having kids. There's a lot of kids out there with parents that are absent, don't care, aren't involved, and in worst cases are abusive, and in worst cases do genuine harm to their children. And I've trotted this idea out on the show numerous times. Inspired by the movie Parenthood, which I saw when I was a kid. And I remember that famous Keanu Reeves line in it, where he said, you know, you need a license to hunt and fish and even have a dog, but they'll let anybody have a kid. I paraphrase. But, you know, it does throw into question the idea of reproductive rights. And it threw into question the idea of reproductive rights in my young mind years and years ago. And I kind of believe that. I mean, uh, look, obviously, this is where the conjectural moral part comes in. Obviously, it's an incredibly difficult line to draw where you say, hey, you deserve to have a kid and you don't. Not only is it difficult, it's probably impossible, which is why we haven't necessarily uh, sort of clamped down on reproductive rights. But I, for one don't have the answer. I I don't know how this should go. But I do kind of favor... (laughs) I don't want to use the word eugenics, because that's a little Hitler-y. 
But I do favor, I don't know, having to jump through some hoops before you're allowed to reproduce. And sadly, um, there are surgical things that must be done to stop you from being able to reproduce. So you you can't force people to have surgery. And This is where it gets sticky, and this is where it doesn't work out. And this is where thousands and thousands of children are born into the world that shouldn't be born into the world. To people that can't take care of them, don't want to take care of them, and in worst cases, abuse them. But uh, I would say this makes an extraordinarily strong case for castration. A Denver family had no idea that the footage captured by the secret camera they set up to document their brain-injured daughter's progress would one day be used as evidence in a disturbing sex crime case. Cops arrested 34-year-old Paul Bugarsik, I think is how his name is pronounced. You might as well just call him scum for allegedly sexually assaulting Julie Henson, who suffered a serious brain injury back in 2011. The suspect reportedly pled guilty to sexual assault and kidnapping charges, was sentenced to 15 years in prison earlier this month. He's also going to undergo five years of sex offender probation following his prison term. See, after the Henson family reviewed hours of the recorded footage they were using to document their child's progress, they found several instances of sexual assault committed on their brain-damaged child. The family was, of course, devastated. They knew and trusted this guy. He was a nursing assistant at Cherry Hills Health Care Center. Their daughter fell, hit her head after a co-worker pulled a chair out from underneath her at work in 2011. It's all fun and games till someone gets hurt. She later experienced painful headaches, led to brain swelling, and a cyst being found on her brain. Her situation deteriorated to the point where she can no longer walk, talk, or communicate with others as well. She's trapped in her body. She couldn't even fight back. She couldn't say anything. But she knew what was going on. The family also said the abuse Julie suffered has set her progress back roughly a year. So, when it comes to reproductive rights and uh, people being allowed to operate with whatever they got going on between their legs with impunity, I would hold this up as a case for chemical castration. This, this should fall into first-degree sexual assault sentencing guidelines. You want repeat sex offenders to virtually disappear from our legal system? Go all ISIS on their peepees. Now, some might argue that castration is similar to Sharia law, but they're wrong. Sharia law, they, they punish the rape victim. This is just a heavy dose of permanently induced common sense for the offender. Harder to rape when you have your twig and berries taken away. It is. Hey, that was an interestingly dark way to start the show. We'll try and find a little light on this Tuesday shortly. What if we make fun of celebrities? Yeah, that that sounds like a good move. Thank you so much for hanging. Joining the conversation at ADSXE at Funk FM.
So you remember, uh, you remember that atheist Air Force sergeant who wasn't going to be allowed to be in the Air Force because he had to take an oath to re-enlist, and the oath included the words, so help me God, and he was like, that's not cool, we're not supposed to be, uh, yeah, no, I'm supposed to be allowed to be an atheist, that's sort of one of the, that's one of the tent poles on which America was founded. Uh, I got an update for you on that particular situation. Also, uh, they found the three missing Afghan soldiers. Where did they find them? Where were they headed? Where were they sneaking to after uh, leaving a trainer a training exercise at a Cape Cod military base? Uh, I'm altogether unsurprised by the situation, but we'll get into that later along with uh, the woman who got surgery to add a third breast so men won't want to date her anymore. Yeah, that's a thing. It's happening. Right now, though, let's take a look at the events of today in our segment, My Witness News in no way, shape, or form fair. Certainly not ba- balanced. Funkhauser A, how are you, B? What's going on in the world? Uh, Good. Soldiering uh, through on a Tuesday. Yeah. What day is it? Where am I? Don't What's you have to on? like work all weekend long? Let's, let's peel back the radio curtains for a second and uh, offer <laughs> offer a glimpse into Funkhauser's world. You think all he does is super awesome, fun, and amusing radio with yours truly, but this is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Funkhauser's responsibilities. I'm just one cog in his particular machine. Uh, what are you uh, What are you doing this weekend? That's gonna well, give you effectively no weekend. As super producer to the stars is what I am. Uh, in Atlanta this weekend, there's something going on called Tomorrow World, and it's basically for like uh, three days straight. It's a like a live event we're doing for iHeartRadio's Evolution Channel. So if you uh-huh. tune into Evolution Friday uh-huh. through Sunday from uh, all day to all day, you'll hear. So that's what you I'll be doing my- this weekend. You know what my favorite interpretation of EDM music is? Mm. is uh, And, like, the whole EDM craze that's going on in America right now is, to me, kind of laughable. Uh, like, I don't think we even call it EDM in other parts of the world, but they're like, hmm, yes, I'm an EDM fan, electronic dance music. It's like it's this new thing. Anybody that grew up in London in the 90s listening to sort of, like, I don't know. When Skrillex came out, people were like, oh, that's amazing. I was like, or, or that's exactly like Daft Punk in 1997. That's exactly like most of what was coming out of Croydon in the mid-90s. That's exactly like The Prodigy and Square Pusher. You're just mm, 15 years late to the party. And people are so enamored of it. It's a weird thing how it took America so long to catch up to what was going on in the world. But there you go. Make of that what you will. But you know what my... You know, you know what my favorite interpretation of dance music is? Have you? Oh, I don't even know what the hell the company is. It Geico that has the talking pig. The oh, yeah. wee. That, it's Geico, right? Yeah, yeah. Geico has so many. I like if I could have a, a job that wasn't doing what I'm doing now, it would probably be like writing commercials for a company like Geico that already have like the talking gecko, the caveman, and they're like, we need something else. What about a talking pig? Sure, yeah, that sounds great. Like just being able to do bong rips and write commercials for Geico, that sounds like a pretty good way to go. But like for some reason, my favorite interpretation of dance music now comes from those commercials. Have you seen it where he's on vacation and he's going to pay his bill? Yeah, yeah. And he Boots uses... And yeah, yeah. And he's just like, oh, looks like I'm all paid up. And he puts his headphones back on. He's like, boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. I don't know why, but that tickles me. It does. It makes me laugh. 
laugh, I nearly defecated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, go on. Can I read news boots now? And boots and pants and boots and pants. <laughs> yes, read the news now. Okay. Kate Hudson says she and her mom, Goldie Hawn, can communicate with the dead. Ah. Well... If that's the case, if Kate Hudson and her mom, Goldie Hawn, can communicate with the dead, I, I would imagine that um, they'll be able to have full conversations with their careers. Huh? See what I did there? It's funny because they haven't made movies in years that anybody cared about. What else? Madonna's adopted son, David, will be dancing on her upcoming tour. She says she'll treat him no differently than all her other young male dancers. <laughs> it's going to be really awkward during the sex. <laughs> Gross! Yeah, well... I bet I know the soundtrack to that sex, though. Boots and pants and boots and pants and mom, that's weird, and boots and pants. Anyways, go on. More details about the Mama June and Sugar Bear split are out. Yeah, Mama June from Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. Uh, Mama June and her her husband Sugar Bear are splitting up. It's kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin splitting up, you know, minus the teeth. Gone. Sugar Bear says he did not cheat on Mama Joe. Yeah. June. June. Mama June. June. Who cares? He says he didn't cheat on Mama June. Uh, he says, and uh, by the way, the whole day is just leading up to this punchline. After this, I got nothing. Sugar Bear said he didn't cheat on Mama June. He said it was done by his evil twin, Splenda Bear. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God. Yeah, here Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. This will all play out in court. (laughs) Food court. (laughs) Splenda Bear is worth the price of admission today. But what else? Uh, Did you see Gotham? No. Was it any good? I didn't see it either. Isn't it sort of like... Smallville was for Superman like Gotham is to Batman what Smallville was to Superman right yeah yeah it tells the story of how Bruce Wayne became Batman and it premiered last night on Fox it's like yeah it's like a prequel to the prequel yeah well I, I would imagine it's going to be a huge hit since Batman isn't played by uh, Ben Affleck so I'll give it a go uh, um, uh, <laughs> I know what story's coming up next, and this this is... Uh, go on. Well, a middle-aged woman snuck into Keanu Reeves' library. Yeah. Apparently he was, like, super calm about it. He heard something, went into his... And, and the, the thing about... Um, the thing about this story is uh, Keanu Reeves has a library? But um, anyways... Apparently, he just walked into his library after hearing something. There's a middle-aged woman sitting there in a chair. And he was like, hey, what you doing? And she was like, just sitting here, Keanu. And he was like, I'm going to make a quick phone call. And, uh, yeah, but apparently he handled like a champ. Handled it like a champ. He was up. He was, he knew how to deal with an invasive intruder with alarming amounts of calm. But, yes, a middle-aged woman snuck into Keanu Reeves' library. Didn't even steal anything. Might have marked up some of Keanu's coloring books, though. Whoa. Look at that color. Oh, it's totally in my place where I read stuff, dude. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh, David and Victoria Beckham's 12-year-old son has launched a modeling career. Yeah, so in your face, morons who claim the entertainment world is run by nepotism. What else? 
Well, Bill Clinton awarded Leonardo DiCaprio the Clinton Global Citizen Award. Yeah. What's that? And in return, Leonardo let Bill smell his finger. <laughs> uh, hey, can we go uh, celebrate after this this uh, ceremony yeah. here? Let's take yeah. go to the best club in town. <laughs> boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. My daughter is about to have a baby. I'm stocking up on cigars. The two things aren't related. Uh, anyways, gone. Uh, Keenan Thompson. He's in the news. He will reportedly leave Saturday Night Live after this season. Yeah. Disappointing news for SNL viewers who hate to laugh. See what I did there? Uh-huh. <laughs> Wasn't he born on TV? I, I don't know. Kindly continue. Paula Dean says she suffers from a crippling fear of public spaces. Mm, particularly public spaces that contain black people, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, it's funny because she's racist. Horribly, horribly racist. I'm not racist. I just thought it would be charming to have a plantation-themed wedding where I dress my black servants up as slaves. It's charming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's, uh, she's trying to... Uh, she lost all of her television stuff after that piece of news came out. So she started her own online television network. When asked uh, how it was going, she replied, All white. Eh. Go on. Kim Kardashian says she'd love to be on Downton Abbey. Mm. It would be uh, nice. (laughs) It's the first thing Kim's wanted to be on that wasn't a black pro athlete or a rapper. Hey, yo, I'm going to let you finish with that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh, uh, that was an okay Kim Kardashian joke, but yesterday's Kardashian joke was the best Kardashian joke of all time. Of all time. A woman in Florida got a third breast implant so she'd look less attractive to men. Uh, speaking of useless boobs, what's Kanye up to? Ha-ha! See, it was a bit of misdirection. You thought it was going to be about the tri-breasted woman in Florida? No, back to Kanye. Oh, and that is why we make the medium bucks around here. All right, what else? In a recent survey, 54% of teenagers said life would be better without social media. Yep, and then they posted that sentiment on Facebook, Twitter, Vine, YouTube, and Snapchat. Retweet. RT for Jesus. Um... <laughs> <laughs> What would Jesus tweet? Uh, what would Jesus tweet? You know, I was thinking about this because the internet's kind of cool. I like Google. I like having that information at my fingertips. I enjoy being able to know stuff. But I think there was a tipping point, and I'm trying to figure out what that tipping point was in terms of when the internet stopped being useful and, and pushing us forward and started actively holding us back as a species. And I would probably guess it was right around the early 2000s. When did you first get broadband? Broadband. You mean DSL? Wasn't that what whatever. they called it first? Whatever remember. wasn't dial-up. Whatever was faster than dial-up. I was early, when did you first like, get that? Probably 03, 04, something like that. Yeah. I think right around when people were first getting broadband, that's when things started to go horrifically south. Because around the advent of the internet, 
it was like, oh my God, all this information is going to be available to us. We're going to be able to just know stuff. We don't have to go to the library. We don't have to deal with the Dewey Decimal you freaking system. You can all system. just go to algor.com if you want to <laughs> yeah, learn exactly. everything. We can uh, we can we can surf on the creation of Al Gore and just no- have this knowledge at our fingertips. How powerful is that? And that's true. And there was this idea, and I think for a while, I think for a while this actually worked. There was this idea that the internet was going to bring us as a species closer together. It was going to close gaps of geography, close gaps of understanding, close gaps of cultural differences, and let us live together in greater amounts of harmony. You know, it's easy to harbor grudges against people that you never see, don't deal with, don't understand, don't dialogue with, don't have conversations with, but when you can, I don't know, pull up a conversation via the interwebs with someone in a country that is completely different to ours, the Sudan, Ethiopia, places in the Middle East, Israel, Afghanistan. There was this idea that these these boundaries, these borders, these divides between us as a species would be made smaller and understanding would grow. And for a while, I think that was absolutely the case. I think... Look, obviously there were notable hiccups along the way that had more to do with human nature than anything else, but I honestly felt like for a while the internet was bringing us close together. And now I worry. I worry a lot. And I worry because everything is so customized. Everything is so built to cater to you. Everything is all about you not having to crowbar your ass off the couch and get everything you want without having to do anything other than pick up your phone, which on the one hand is great. The convenience is fantastic. But... When companies like Facebook and companies like Google and uh, whatever the hell company it is that you use to do your internet stuff with, you know, maybe you're a Luddite like me and you still use America Online. But this all caters to you. It puts you in a bubble where you were once able to reach out to people. You are now being closed off from people. So if you can find yourself a search engine, an email provider, that is not customizing itself to you, your life is going to be bigger. And maybe we can do a little bit to tear down those divides that have started to spring up thanks to the interwebs. Go ahead, favorite the show, and enjoy AD on the go. iHeartRadio presents AD. Uh-huh. You know, I haven't had a Pop-Tart in a while. But there's no getting around the news that uh, Pop-Tarts have turned 50. So I think I'm going to treat myself to a box of brown sugar cinnamon. Do you butter your Pop-Tarts, Funkhauser? No, what is that? I don't know, but some people, like, I can kind of understand it because, you know, the texture of a Pop-Tart, a little dry. I'm a toaster strudel guy. Yeah, see, not, not so dry, not like a Pop-Tart. But, you know, uh, here's the thing. Pop-Tarts have turned 50, and in honor of that, I decided to pull out my uh, favorite Pop-Tart bit. Uh, Whatever you do, don't bite them into the shape of a gun and bring them into school with you, because that'll get you thrown in jail. But uh, here's Jerry Seinfeld on Pop-Tarts. The Pop-Tart, by the way, (laughs) was a moment in time when they invented, and I think Tom Brokaw today is going to be talking about the baby boom and i am of that era and when i was i was about eight they invented the pop tart the back of my head blew right off 
right? Do you remember? Like, what? I was, I was in the supermarket aisle with my mother, and I'm like, hold it, hold up, hold everything. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> Fruit-filled frosted rectangles in a box, the same. Sh the food is in the shape of the box. What is this? <laughs> you, you open the box, they're not even in there. They're in packets. Remember the packets? Lined with some kind of metallic alloy from NASA to protect them from gamma rays and Russian satellites might shoot at your brown sugar cinnamons. You had to protect the... And you open the packet. How many were in the packet? Two. Why two? One's not enough. Three is too many. That's why. <laughs> it was perfect. Perfect vision of the future from Kellogg's. Two in each packet, two slots in the toaster. So you're eight years old, and you're like, I can do this. The toaster companies are in on it, too. If you have a little time to kill on the interwebs, Check out, I think the New York Times did it. They made a short video of Jerry Seinfeld, of him uh, explaining how he writes jokes. And he explained the genesis of that joke. That, uh, that, how long was that, Funkhauser? Minute and a half, two minutes? Something, something, yeah. how long was that? He said he'd been working on that for three years. Three years. And he said, ultimately, that's what people want him to do. Devote an inordinate amount of time and energy to things that don't warrant it for their amusement. And we salute him for that. Because not only is he the greatest comedic mind of all time, as far as I'm concerned, he also was bang on about the Pop-Tart. And yeah, brown sugar cinnamon all the way. As-salamu alaykum. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of which, um, uh, you know... There's going to be talk radio people screaming and shouting about what happened this morning. But uh, we launched airstrikes on... We launched airstrikes against militants in Syria. Now, here's the thing. There's all sorts of implications with regard to these airstrikes that we launched on ISIS, ISIL, militants in Syria. Whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, whatever form it's taking at this moment. The victory here, though, I think would probably be a foreign policy victory. He's driving us deeper, Obama is, driving us deeper into a military conflict in the Middle East. And we're reluctantly embracing it. It's one of those things where, like, this is what we got to do. Like, when I've talked to people about it, like, this is what we've got to do. Do you really think it's going to do any good? No, not really, but we sort of have to. It's a weird, weird situation. It is a weird situation. And so it's seeming like what we have to do is enter into this feudal military conflict. Because somehow, despite the fact that we all know it's not going to do that much good, it is the right thing to do. I think you look for little victories, small victories inside of what's going on and, and look to those to help provide a way that we can move forward in the future. And uh, the one interesting thing about this is, well, there was, uh, there was cooperation with Arab partners. Significant boost to our efforts to take on the Islamic State militants who have been moving freely across the border between Iraq and Syria. 
Apparently, we were joined in the airstrikes by Bahrain, Qatar, or Qatar, or however the hell you pronounce it, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and the United Arab Emirates. They all participated in the strikes against the Islamic states. And, I don't know, I'm kind of of the opinion that we should go in, turn sand to glass, get the hell out, and secure the living bejesus out of our borders. Don't try and force democracy on people that don't want it. Don't try and force democracy. Don't try and build nations. Don't spend time and money trying to stabilize something that can't be stabilized. Just keep them in check. Be like, you're poking the bear. And you know what? This is what we do. We're American. We spend more on defense than any other country. We have air-to-ground support that can put a bullet in every square inch of a football field in 25 seconds. And that's what you're about to get hit with. And then we should get the hell out. But, you know... If we can manage to find some common ground with people that we've traditionally been a little uneasy with, if we manage to high-five with the United Arab Emirates about something, I'm not saying that lifetimes of uh, looking at each other out of the corner of our eyes is going to go away, but you look for some upside to the situation, and eh, eh, it's a vague foreign policy victory. That's, that's, the, uh, that's a positive spin I'm putting on it, if only for myself, so I can make some sense of what the hell's going on. But there is no sense to be made of this. There's just absolutely no sense to be made of it. The world is in a weird spot, and what happened this morning with regard to the airstrikes is only going to make it weirder. It's something that we all agree was the right thing to do, but we don't think it's really going to do a whole lot of good. It's so strange at the moment. And, oh, by the way, we talked a little bit on the show yesterday about Joe Biden and his incredibly poor choice of words, referring to predatory predatory loan types as Shylocks. A widely accepted, a term that's widely accepted as being anti-Semitic. And the fact that people jumped all over the alleged anti-Semitism in his statements took away from what was important. And there's a danger of this happening here with the airstrikes. How can we stop it? There is a way. Fascinating subjects, interesting talk, and boobs and fart jokes. AD on iHeartRadio. So, yesterday... Actually, for a couple days, we talked a little bit about this whole thing of uh, Joe Biden's incredibly poor choice of words when describing predatory loan types as Shylocks, saying that people in the military were having their homes foreclosed on by these Shylock lenders. Obviously a reference to the Merchant of Venice and obviously a reference to uh, the fact that Joe Biden shouldn't be allowed to talk in public. Incredibly poor, poor choice of words, but I don't think anybody thinks that Joe Biden hates Jews. He's just a, a mealy-mouthed idiot that shouldn't be allowed to open his mouth in public and and do things like talk into microphones under any set of circumstances whatsoever. But the right, so bent out of shape after years of the left being like, that's politically incorrect. You said that. You're evil. Like, 
the left has this ability to uh, to assume the moral high ground on a regular basis because they can say things like "you don't care about poor people," and uh, the right can't really do a whole lot about it other than stick to their guns and know where the true moral compass is for them and where its true north is. And, and that way they can kind of sort of like, you know, do what's right in their own hearts and, and hopefully not be swayed or detracted by their detractors on the left. But they are swayed. They are detracted. So when they got an opportunity to, one of the few opportunities that the right ever gets to assume the moral high ground and go, ha, 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 yeah. He's an anti-Semite. He said Shylock. No, no, he's not an anti-Semite. Idiot, yes. Anti-Semite, no. But what we're taking away from here is what Joe Biden was talking about. The fact that we have members of our military who are having their homes foreclosed on while they're off potentially dying for our freedom. Because, you know, they can't fill out Form C with regard to flood insurance while they are uh, waiting for air-to-ground support because they're pinned down and they've been living on snakes and roaches for the last five days and they're engaged in guerrilla warfare and nobody really knows where the hell they are. Yeah, Form C of their flood insurance uh, papers didn't really make it to them. And they get their houses foreclosed on. And that is criminal. That is terrible. That is awful. That is a prime example of something we talk about a lot on this show, which is we have to do more for the people that are willing to lay their lives on the line for our freedoms. And, oh, I don't know, not foreclosing on them when they're not able to get back to you in a timely manner because they're busy being shot at would fall into that category. And that was a message that was lost because people were too excited to be like, ooh, 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 we got you on the run now, left. We're going to hold you to the same moral standards that you hold us. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sympathize. I really do. But it's not the most productive stance to take. And similarly, with the airstrikes that were taken against Islamic extremists at the moment, there's going to be so much brouhaha from the right. And it's weird. There's almost a sense on the right that lots of people want him to fail. Now, whether you think he's doing a good job or a bad job or not, I think he's being largely ineffectual. I think Obama is lost. That's just my personal opinion. But it's also not really sort of like a situation where anybody can come up with what I think is a good solution. And like we said before, if you talk to the vast majority of people about the fact that we're launching military action, airstrikes against Islamic militants that want to behead us, everyone's going to say, yeah, that's the right thing to do. No, I don't think it'll make that big of a difference. Because the parameters of war are not easily defined in this situation. They're really not. And everyone's just like, why don't we just declare war on ISIL? You know, they're trying to make themselves an Islamic state, an Islamic country, an Islamic nation. Why don't we just declare war on that? Eh, no. No, no, no. Because that validates the whole notion of the Islamic nation. And... Uh, once you get into something like that, once it's internationally recognized, that's when the uh, one-third of the population on this earth that are Muslim, that's when, uh, uh, that's when the crazies are going to come out and go like, ooh, 
I'm going to head over there, and then we might legitimately be in trouble. So, you know, let's stick with not calling it declaring war on ISIL at the moment. But it's weird military action to take, and nobody really knows what the right thing to do is, and nobody really thinks that what we're doing right now is going to do a hell of a lot of good. But most people agree, like, yeah, we got to do something. I personally think we should be staying at home and securing our borders because this is my fear. My fear is that we're taking military action against them there. And uh, the sleeper cells that are over here are going to be like, okay, time for retribution, bitches. Uh, You did not know this, but we've been in Oshkosh, Wisconsin this whole time, and it's about to get really ugly up in here. That's my particular concern. And that's why I think we should focus on uh, keeping our borders secure and dealing with any potential threat at home. But weirdly enough, the thing that I notice is the thing that I notice is there's a lot of people on the right willing this to go badly for Obama. No, you're an idiot if you're making this an R&D thing, if you're making this making this a Republican-Democrat thing. You're an idiot if you're making this about the left and the right. No, this is about America. This is not even about America. This is about the free world taking a stand for what is right. And I don't like to oversimplify things, and I don't like to make things black and white. But if you're willing things to go badly for the military action we are taking, if you are willing failed military strikes, if you are willing things to go in a way that makes Obama look bad just so you can play the gotcha game in politics, then you need to have your head examined. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. You just do. Speaking of uh, things that disturb people happening at home, uh, there were three missing Afghan soldiers. They went missing during a uh, training exercise at a Cape Cod military base. You know, we were teaching them how to uh, effectively fight ISIL, ISIS, whatever. You know, they came over here. We were like, hey, cross our borders. Come to America. Train with us. And then three of them went missing and people went, ooh, that might not be good. And we weren't hearing much about it, but uh, they went missing during a training exercise. They were detained on Monday. Where were they? They were at the U.S.-Canadian border. This is according to Massachusetts law enforcement officials. There was no immediate comment from the Pentagon, but Massachusetts State Police were notified that the three were being questioned by feds at Rainbow Bridge, which, in case you did not know, connects Niagara Falls, New York, and Niagara Falls, Ontario. Popular honeymooning spot. Little concerning to have, uh, little concerning to have rogue Middle Eastern military folks hanging out at that popular tourist destination. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials in Niagara Falls said they didn't have the men in custody. Messages left for Canada Border Services uh, and the messages left for Canada, Canada Border Services Agency they weren't returned. But military officials said the Afghan soldiers had been participating in a U.S. Central Command Regional Cooperation training exercise at Joint Base Cape Cod. What does this mean? It means we were training them. We were going, okay, this is how we're going to stick it to ISIS together. And they went, huh, this is how we're going to Niagara Falls. Yeah. They were caught trying to cross into Canada. That's where they were caught. Why? Canada has strict border security. 
Interesting how well that works, huh? Hey, there's uh, three Middle Eastern guys trying to walk across the border. Oh, heaven's a grisky. That sounds like something we should pay attention to, eh? Yeah, you know what I'd say. That being said, I don't blame the guys for running. I blame the U.S. government for bringing them here. If you were an Afghani soldier vacationing in America with two of your buddies, would you want to go back home? No. No, you probably wouldn't. We'll wait and see if... uh, We'll wait and see if this plays out in any more interesting ways. There's been a lot of doom and gloom on the show today. Let's uh, let's try and end on a light note. Let's have a little dessert after this heavy meal. Let's talk about women with three boobs. Uh, if I mention the movie Total Recall, what do you think the first thing you're going to think of is? Yeah, the alien chick with three cans. Here's the thing. It's no longer science fiction. 21-year-old Jasmine Tridevil. Not actually her real name, as you might imagine. Uh, She's a masseuse in Tampa, Florida, and she recently spent $20,000 having a third boob implanted on her chest. I uh, posted pictures on my Facebook page for your edification. There's video as well. She did it because she said she's sick of men and figured a third boob would make her unattractive to guys. (laughs) Uh, And if you don't know anything about guys, it's clearly a wild miscalculation on her part. If anything, guys are now going to be more intrigued by her, I would imagine. But um, if all this sounds like a stupid publicity stunt to get attention, (laughs) you're correct. Um, She admitted another one of her goals is to have a reality show on MTV. Uh, Anyways, she's talked to at least 50 doctors. In the past, none of them would give her the third boob, but one finally agreed to give her uh, the (laughs) tri-breast. What's the first question you ask about a third boob being attached to your chest? If you're like everybody else I spoke to about this, the question you ask is, where do you get a third nipple? Excellent question. Glad you asked it. Here's the thing. It would have been extra creepy if you could get a third nipple from somewhere. Like if you could be like cadaver shopping for a nipple that matched your own. But no, no, he couldn't give her a third nipple. So uh, she had one tattooed on, which is actually kind of convincing. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but women that have, you know, their uh, their breasts removed because of cancer and then get breast implants often lose the nipple. And uh, there's tattoo artists that have taken to specializing in nipple tattoos, a lot that actually do this for free for women that have uh, lost their breasts to breast cancer. And they do a remarkable job. And allegedly, it makes women that have lost what a good sense, a good chunk of their identity and womanhood is wrapped up in feel significantly more whole. And I think that's a a wonderful thing. And uh, in a weird twist of fate, it helped her get a nipple on her third boob funkhauser yeah as a guy who has experienced significantly more than the rest of us because of your time spent in the adult entertainment industry as a guy who knows what it's like to enjoy the sensuous touch of multiple females at one time as a guy who knows what it's like to join the mile high club on a private jet i defer to your superior experience in this particular situation would you is that a question no yeah try boob absolutely yeah Yes. I would check yes on that box. Please and thank you. I would imagine, like, when it all comes down to it, the real appeal of a three-breasted woman would have to be in the motorboating department. Because, you know, usually you're just like, whap, 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 whap. 
But in this situation, it'd be boots and pants and boots and pants. Yeah, boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants. Thank you so much for being part of my radio family. Joining the conversation at ADSXE at Funk FM. This time you and I spend together is the best part of my day every single day. Have yourself an awesome one. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.